I want to tell you about one thing before we move on to our service, which is Easter is coming up. Shocking, I know. Easter is coming up in a few weeks, and our Easter weekend is packed. It's packed in such a way that it's given me pause to figure out exactly how I want to approach this. Filled with death, beauty, and rescue, all three in one. Three events. We have our Tenebrae service, which I love. Maybe, for me, the most powerful service that we do. Not that today won't be powerful, okay? Hang with me. But I love what we do at Tenebrae. Original music, original art, uh, very intentionally crafted in order to depict that Friday night and sort of the message of Christ dying on the cross. I wonder, who do I want to ask to come to that? So many people I want to ask to come to that. But I'm thinking, who do I want to ask to come to that that would be particularly moving, particularly hit them where they are? And then we go to Saturday night and our gallery event, which will feature two things. A gallery show from some artists from Artworks 945, which is a group of homeless artists working with Urban Ministry Center. And it's a way to use art to move people out of homelessness. We're passionate about moving people out of homelessness. We're passionate about art as an expression of the reality of people's souls and life and perspective. And so I look at that event, and they also have musical group Seahorses, which is Justin Yui and Emily Moore, which will be phenomenal on stage. And so I'm thinking, who do I want to invite to that? Because that will be particularly powerful. Now, let me just tell you this. If you wonder, if you wonder, who do I want to bring to this art show, but what will they do? I promise you this. If you at Warehouse for any length of time, you know this is not going to happen, but it will not be halfway through where I stand up and we have 10 minutes from Pastor Bruce explaining to you why you're really here tonight. That doesn't happen at Warehouse. We don't pull the bait and switch. We believe art speaks. We don't have to thrust something into the middle of it. So it'll be a night where it'll be a gallery show and music. So I'm thinking, who do I want to bring to that? Because I think some of my friends would particularly be engaged in that evening, and it would just be fun to hang out with them as we explore that. And then there's Sunday morning, which is Easter. And we're combining the natural power of Easter with a great service combined with some people, a number of people who are being baptized that day. I love how we do baptism here. I think it's very powerful. It communicates something strongly. And so I think, well, who do I want to invite on Easter? So for me, I'm thinking through, okay, who are we going to invite? And Nan and I are talking, who are we going to invite here? Who are we going to invite to this? Who are we going to invite to that? It's going to take some scheduling. What I want you to think about as you come to this weekend, think through carefully, who do I want to invite here? Where art, where music, where truth might intersect people's souls in a way that would be powerful for them to move them forward in their journey from where they are today. Give that some thought and prayer about specific people and the specific events that go on that weekend. That's coming up in just a few weeks. Okay, so I have a real important save the date for you. So if you have your your, uh, electronic calendar, go ahead and put in May 21st. Because on May 21st, the world's going to end. Who knew? Oh, actually, someone, apparently. And, uh, well, you want to amend that. Actually, May 21st, I I spoke incorrectly. The world's not going to end. On May 21st is Judgment Day. October 21st, 2011, the world's going to end. You haven't heard? You haven't seen the billboards? Everywhere, nationally. If you go to your computer or if you go on your phone right now and put in May 21st, bam, up will come up with the intricate reasons and detailed knowledge of how we know exactly Judgment Day is May 21st, 2011. Really, it's calculated to the day with even explanations about how the calendar works and why it might seem like it'd be a different year. But no, May 21st, 2011, Judgment Day, October 2011, the world ends. I told my dad we're not going to need to finish the addition onto our house because before it's finished, the world will end. So there you go. I think you need to have that down. Now, in making fun of that, which is really easy, 
it points up something else, which is that in American Christianity, Western Christianity as a whole, actually, we're enamored of knowing things. We're enamored of nailing things down, getting them exactly put. Here's the answer. I figured it out. How do I know what's true? Boom. For example, God. That seems like that would be difficult to nail down who God is. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable, in his being, wisdom, knowledge, holiness, goodness, and truth. Did it. 16 words. I can name that God in 16 words, and I'm done. It seems like people are less complicated, so I can probably define you in 8 to 10. I quoted, by the way, from the Westminster Confession of Faith. It's a decent document as far as it goes, written in the 1600s in England by a group of well-meaning people who sought to define exactly what was true. And so God was defined in 16 words, even including definite and indefinite articles. Why in the world do we do that? We like to know. We like to have things all wrapped up nice and easy. It's why self-help books populate our shelves. And yes, I do hate self-help books. We like things nice and neat, but there's a problem with that. It's not a small problem. The problem is not May 21st, 2011. The problem is, if you like to wrap things up nice and neat, and you see Christianity as a series of very specific answers without a lot of edges or wonder to them, your spiritual life will shrink, and you will get bored very fast. You see, J.J. Abrams is on to something. He's struck by a thought that's even unexpected to him, that was down deep within him, that the mystery box showed him. Mystery is entrancing. Mystery is engaging. Mystery is actually where most of life is lived. If you eliminate mystery and wonder from your life, you will miss most of the articulation of exactly what happens. You see, often I get asked questions like this. Can you tell me why my father has dementia? Can you tell me why my child is doing poorly in school? Can you tell me why I keep failing at relationships? Now, those are not bad questions. It's the answers that so often can be bad. Why are you failing at relationships? I can name that in one word. You. See, that would be mean even. Not just trite, but mean. And what the answer is, honestly, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why someone's life ends when it does. I don't know why things that seem to be on track go sideways. I don't know why despair hits out of the blue. I don't know why I can't figure my... I don't know. And we're troubled by that notion of I don't know, and so self-help books populate our shelves. But wonder is entrancing. And it's actually where the answers are. You see, Christianity is a mixture of two things that seem in conflict with one another. It's a mixture of mystery and revelation, of exploration and discovery. 
both held in tension. I'm gonna, uh, rather than just tell you that, let me, let me show you what I mean. I'm going to read to you a passage from a book of the wisdom literature in the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs. And in this section, it's going to talk about knowing God. And, and it, this is written, the, the book of Proverbs is often written in the, the, uh, using the vehicle of the father speaking to his son. And this is one of those passages that says that. It says this, my, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. If you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. It is passages like that from which we get a 16-word description of who the infinite, almighty God is. However, I'm going to jump back just a little bit farther to the book of Job. Job is a book not about suffering, except um, to Job. I'm sure to Job it's about suffering. But to us, it's not about suffering. It's about God. And this is what it says in the midst of chapter 11. Can you fathom the mysteries of God? And by the way, it's a rhetorical question. Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens. What can you do? They're deeper than the depths of the grave. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the depths of the Almighty? Then you will understand the knowledge of God. Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Both of those things are at the heart of Christianity. See, Christianity is like a really good story where you go from discovery to more exploration. If you're going through any good book, any good movie, you want, you're left with this suspense, this moment of wondering what comes next. And then you get it, but then there's another, like Obi-Wan Kenobi. I mean, J.J. Abrams is, is profound in that. It's like, who knew? But then it moves on again. Every, well, not every, no, every, every good story has that element in it. Discovery and wonder. Discovery and wonder. When I was in my teens and early 20s, I read a lot of fantasy like Lord of the Rings. That's one of the, what's uh, one part of that genre of literature, Lord of the Rings. But there was a lot, not, not much at that level, but there was a lot of it. And what I found, they were all written in series, you know, two, three, five, seven books. And, and what I found in every one of those is I was racing through the books because I wanted to know what happened next. And then I found, but then I wanted the next book because it went on and on. And I always experienced the same thing at the end, which was disappointment. No more exploration, no more discovery. Understand something. I'm not making the quaint little point that, gee, isn't wonder fun. I'm making the point that you must have wonder. That in fact, if you don't see wonder as a core part of what Christianity is and of how you grow, then a couple of things will happen. One of them is you will likely get bored. You will find Christianity like a self-help book, trite and rather pathetic giving simple answers to complicated questions. 
because wonder is at the core of what Christianity is. Mystery. Exploration. Discovery. And then something more. But what does that really mean for you? Now you see, here's one of those moments. Here's one of those moments. What does that mean for you? Where the worst thing I could do is very quickly tell you what it means for you. However, I want us to understand something about how mystery actually works in our life, how it plays out. It doesn't just play out in Star Wars and Jaws. It's not simply that there's a story behind the story. It plays out in the actual process of us growing. There's a a passage. Really, if you do this, if you... um, put into any concordance, which is a study of the Bible, uh, the word mystery, you'll find it dots throughout the New Testament, this concept of mystery being at the core of what Christianity is. And this is one of the passages that does that. And, and I'm going to rip it out of context, but then I'll explain to you that I ripped it out of context, which then you'll understand. And so then it's not as big a deal as just ripping it out of context. This is Paul writing about the resurrection. Paul, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. He says this, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep but we will all be changed. He is talking about the resurrection. He's talking about, he says, this is a mystery here. Everybody who who follows Jesus is going to be raised from the dead. You're going to, you're going to, what we see now is not what we will see in the end. Listen, we will not all sleep. We will all be changed. And so that comes out of that context. However, there's something I think deeper in that. We'll not all sleep. We will all be changed. Is the great, not the great mystery of life. How will I be transformed? How will that happen? Paul said, listen, I'm going to tell you a mystery. Transformation is mysterious, but it will happen. Transformation will happen in your life to the extent that you embrace wonder, the question. Let me give you some examples. If you've been in the church any length of time, you have been told that the way to grow is through reading the Bible and praying good as far as it goes. Let me tell you other things, but let me tell you a little bit about my story with praying and with the Bible and the two different ways that it can go. When I first became a Christian, I was told I I needed to pray, and that seemed like it made good sense. You know, I was told I needed to pray, but I didn't have a clue how to do it, and then somebody told me what I should do is I should make a list of things to pray for. I sighed a little bit because I don't like to make lists anyway, but I went ahead and, and did it. And, and then, of course, I lost the piece of paper I wrote it on. So I did another one. I lost that. And then I got a notebook, and I lost the notebook. But the idea was, I'm supposed to make a list of the things to pray for. And what I had was two things going on. Number one, it felt like a chore. And number two, I kept losing the list. And there was something about that that struck me as wrong. Now, if you make lists of things to pray about, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's something more behind that I want, to see, I want you to see. I got frustrated with making lists and praying for individual things, whatever it was. Felt like I was checking things off. And so I sort of gave up and just started to have conversations with God about the questions I was having and what I was wondering about. And so I did write, but I wrote different things. I started, why? I started asking why questions about my day. I started wondering why that happened and where that, where that went. And, and then at the end of writing that, I didn't necessarily have any answers. And so there may be another day where I wrote. And each day wasn't a moment where I asked a question and I got an answer. But over time, what I discovered is I began to see 
the hand of God moving into my life. I began to see answers over time as I explored and lived in the wonder of the question about what was happening in my life, rather than believing that prayer was nailing down answers, getting results. It was an ongoing conversation that was filled far more with questions than it was with answers. So reading the Bible. When I first started reading the Bible, I was not a follower of Jesus, and I was enthralled. I was fascinated by it, about the flow, about how it moved. And then I went to seminary and started reading the Bible, and I was bored. Bored to tears. Because every section we read, it was explained to us exactly what it meant. It took me years to realize I don't need to understand every part of the Bible. It's why at times there'll be a passage on the screen and I will tell y'all, I have no idea what that means. None. There may be a number of passages I don't understand. There may be more that I don't understand that you know that I didn't know I didn't understand. There may be lots of them. But part of the reason why I can now look at a passage of the Bible and go, I don't know, is because I don't think it's a series of self-help slogans. It's a story. It is the story, this, this wonderful, complex story of discovery and movement and exploration and wonder about a real God engaging in the life of complex people's souls. If God is infinitely complex, we are not necessarily close, but we're incredibly complex because while God is infinite both directions, we are infinite in one. We start, but we don't actually end. And so our lives and our souls are pretty intricate and pretty complex. And what I discovered was the Bible is this story of God engaging complex people in their actual lives. And so like any story, there's moments where you're going, I don't know, have no idea what's happening here. Can you explain to me Job 9 verse 2? No. But what I discovered is that over time, if I let the story play out, and I questioned and I wondered, then I began to see discovery in the midst of that. In Christianity, too often we've been told not to explore and not to leave the questions open. I have um, a problem. I have one problem I'm going to tell you about, and that is this. In settings where I am studying, which are classroom settings, and this is, this is not a good thing about me. In classroom settings, I normally don't speak because I normally assume they really don't want an answer they, when they just want to fill in the blank. And so I often, throughout high school, college, seminary, didn't say anything. And so most of my teachers assumed I was an idiot or that I was mute because I never spoke. Unless, the only time I spoke, the only time I spoke is when I was irritated because... I felt like a complex answer was being given short shrift. For example, I'm in seminary, and there's this passage in the Bible, really, it's in 1 Corinthians 7, read it sometime. It's a passage in the Bible that really appears to say it's better if you're single. I'm not kidding. It really appears to say that. It's better if you're single. So I'm in a seminary classroom, and the professor says, as he whips through that, because we're explaining each part, we're explaining exactly what it means. And this part apparently means to a group of married people that it's okay to be single and, you know, it's... I, it says 
It's better. Oh, Mr. Marcy is really pushing us here, isn't he? it says it's better. Really, it's better. Isn't that problematic? But then on the test, of course, I gave the answer that they wanted because it's what you do. I can name that God in 16 words. I can cure your problem in six to eight. My goodness, no wonder why we're bored. No wonder why we think Christianity is simplistic. Because the truth is, it is a complex, wonderful story which takes time to digest. Which you will have moments where you're reading something in the Bible and you go, I don't even like that. I don't know. Maybe as you're reading in Project 345, there's passages you read You don't understand. See, this is what I thought. This is what I thought. I thought what I was supposed to do is read a passage and then write down exactly what it meant. That's what I thought. And then it took me years to realize I don't have to do that. In fact, if I do that, it will be harmful because sometimes I don't know because Christianity is mystery and revelation. It is wonder with occasional answers. It's like a good story. It's lived on the edge with suspense. And if we don't live that way, we'll do violence to our souls. Because we believe transformation is about easy answers. So what do I want you to do with that? I want you to realize that you will thrive on wonder. That you need to embrace the questions of your days. That you need to free your soul up to realize that Christianity is a mystery box. And so are you. That you are complex and beautiful. And the next time somebody tells you how simple the fix is on your life, go instead to God who knows you and will walk alongside you and help you to explore what actually is going on in your life. You are meant for change, for transformation. But it will be far more mystery than it will be discovery. There's a passage in a book by Augustine. It's called St. Augustine. He wrote a book called Confessions an interesting book about a very, very bright, powerful man who was captivated by Christianity and turned his life to Christ in the 3rd, 4th century. And there's a phrase that he says, which is often quoted by people, and it's, it's, our hearts were made for God. Our hearts are restless, and they're, I mean, restless until they find their rest in you. But there's a passage or something he says before that, which has always been more striking to me. Long you have sought me, O beauty so ancient and true. There is a beauty who is true. But he is ancient and limitless and unfathomable. And he comes after you.
in order to help you to open up that box, begin to sort through it, and see what's inside. Mystery. Wonder. Let's do this. Let's discard simplistic answers to complicated questions. Let's open ourselves up to the reality that the God who seeks after us is walking through our story a little at a time. Let's be okay with sometimes not knowing and not understanding. It's why we have community to walk alongside one another. It's why if you read the Psalms, they are filled with some answers, but lots of questions. Embrace wonder. Transformation is a mystery because we continue to go farther and farther. There's a great line in one of C.S. Lewis's book where he describes this as our relationship with God further up and further in. There's no end. Today, if you are bored with, with God or bored with Christianity, you're bored with somebody's definition of what it is, not the actual thing. Today, if you walk in and wonder if you want to become a religious person, you wonder if what Christianity will teach you is it's going to give you a series of lists and regulations for your life. It is not. It's a mysterious God who will engage you on a personal level and lead you on through exploration, discovery. At times in the middle of the story, it will feel confusing. At times you will be struck and you will realize that you have actual answers that go to the core of your soul. Let's pray. Lord, would you lead us to be beings of wonder? We love it and we hate it. We like it tied down because somehow it makes us feel more secure, but we love the suspense because that's really what life is. Exploration and discovery. Would you set us free today? to enter into that, to be willing to ask the questions, to be willing to explore and to seek after you, the God whose depths we will never be able to fathom, but who we will touch and experience and know. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.